Listener Production. Hey, Tom Tilly here. This special episode of The Briefing is brought to you by Stop It at the Start. It's an Australian government campaign aimed at increasing respect and reducing violence towards women. Domestic violence is a national crisis. A woman dead following what police allege is a domestic violence incident. Shocking domestic violence attack. Doused in petrol and set alight during a disturbing domestic violence attack. Sadly, violence towards women is still a shocking problem in our society. One woman dies almost every week at the hands of a former or current partner and one in three women have been a victim of physical or sexual violence. And the idea of this Stop It at the Start campaign is to change attitudes before they turn into violent behaviours. And what we're going to explore in this episode is the way that some of these attitudes start in childhood and how we can change that. It can feel daunting talking to your kids about respect. That's TV and radio presenter Carrie Bickmore, who's helping spread the message about respect and the conversations that can change attitudes so that we can stop it at the start. And it's something she's spoken about at length on the project. Research shows that while Aussies agree violence against women is wrong, there is a tendency to excuse the disrespectful and aggressive behaviour of males. And that can start as early as the playground. It's up to all of us, parents, coaches, friends and families, to have those deeper conversations about respect. Because in the blink of an eye, our kids will be adults. And Carrie joins us right here on The Briefing. Carrie, clearly as a mum, this issue resonates for you. I think not even just as a mum, but as a human, as an Australian living in a country where we have an absolute crisis on our hands. Um, Yes, this issue is one of the most important things I think our country is facing. And as a mum, I realise the responsibility I have with Mm. three kids um, and it can feel daunting at times. Um, But for me, getting involved in this campaign was also about learning, learning how to have some of the trickier conversations with my kids in the hope that this next generation uh, cannot have some of the problems that we currently have in this country around domestic violence. Yeah, and I think if these were easy conversations to have, this campaign wouldn't be happening, right? So why do you think it is hard to have these conversations sometimes? I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves as parents to get things right and to say the right thing and not to say the wrong thing. And we're so worried about saying the wrong thing sometimes we don't have the conversation at all. And I think the thing I'm learning through this campaign and even the personal experience of being involved in this campaign, I've started having conversations even with my three-year-old that I wouldn't even have thought you would start having these conversations with a three-year-old. Obviously, they're very different conversations to the one I'm having with my near 15-year-old son. But the point is the earlier you have the conversations, the more often you have the conversations, the more normal those conversations become. But it also means there's not all this weight on nailing the one conversation around respect and how to avoid violence against women in one conversation at a certain age, nail it and go, that's it, done, move on. Obviously, it's not about that. It's about teaching kids from a young age to be aware of it, to be aware of it in themselves, to observe it, how to respond in those situations. And, you know, for me, just how to to raise respectful children and that the earlier that you can do it, the better. Yeah, well, let's bring an expert into the conversation to understand more about all of this. Paddy Kinnersley is the CEO of Our Watch, which is an independent not-for-profit organisation working to reduce violence towards women. Paddy, thank you so much for joining us in this conversation. What has your work told you about the unhealthy attitudes that still exist? Yeah, certainly our work tells us that the 
unhealthy attitudes and disrespectful attitudes towards women and girls is still having a huge effect across nearly every part of our life. So in workplaces, we know about Kate Jenkins' work on sexual assault in workplaces, for example, and we know that still one in every two women has experienced sexual harassment in their life and one in three has experienced physical violence and one in four emotional abuse. So, And we all know that awful state about one woman dying at the hands of a partner or mm. former partner nearly every week. So it is a crisis, as Carrie said, and it is having such an impact on every part of our life that we know that it's not even just about women being free from violence, but how on earth are women supposed to thrive and contribute fully to our community and be the best that they can if they're living in these violent situations? I think sometimes people who fortunately aren't experiencing violence in their home think that they don't necessarily need to be a part of this conversation, but we all do. Uh, Patty, I wondered what are some of the things that we all say in front of our kids at times that seem harmless but are teaching kids disrespect? You're 100% right, Carrie. We want our young people to see uh, respect at home between whatever adults are at home when they go to sport to be treated with respect and not to hear things like don't kick like a girl or not to see things like only the, the boys only getting the good grounds for example when they watch tv we want to see respectful relationships we want to see women in leadership roles we want to see women playing sport so you're 100 right every part of the environment we live in needs to demonstrate respect and equality for women uh, because it's got to be it's going to be mutually reinforcing and multi-pronged everywhere we look and to your question, we say things like when a, boy, a little boy is violent or pushes girls over or whatever and we say things like, oh, he was just showing you he liked you. Or we say, did you say something he didn't like or he was tired or boys will be boys? All of those things tell a story that make it acceptable for boys to be violent and men to be violent or to be in control or in charge of women mm. and for girls to be submissive and to accept that role and we know that we have to challenge that right from when little people are little people and it can be really as you say different strategies for your your two-year-old versus your 16-year-old age appropriate about um, we need to be respectful and we use a word like respect because everyone has a pretty good understanding of what that means so you be respectful to others and people need to be respectful to you and the conversation you have with your little person is very different to the one who's starting to explore their sexuality or very different to the person who's a CEO in a workplace who has a responsibility to create a safe environment. Yeah, something that stood out to me over the years of reporting on these issues are the sort of, I guess, lived experiences that women have that men don't even understand, they're not even conscious of. I remember after the Me Too conversation started, a lot of women were telling stories about how every night when they walked to their cars, they would uh, clutch their keys ready for an attack or that even in a work setting, just a man raising his voice, which he might think is just having an argument, can actually make a woman feel really fearful for her safety. So do you think there's a whole range of physical and emotional power dynamics that men need more educating about? Yeah, most certainly. And Tom, your point about violence is not only the physical violence that we all associate, it can be controlling who a woman sees or what she wears or how she presents herself. It can be controlling her money. It can be controlling how she um, expresses her religious beliefs. It can be removing her AIDS if she has a disability. One of the most powerful things I hear from men, actually, Tom, when they go on this journey about learning is the opportunity to listen to women in their life, and particularly if you're in a workplace, just to listen to them, sit and listen to for half an hour about their experience of being a woman in your sporting organisation or in your workplace without rebutting, without trying to explain, just about her experience of being 
in that place. And men have told me that that's one of the most powerful things they've done because they had no idea about the mansplaining that goes on in a meeting or about the woman who says the good thing and the man who says it and he gets rewarded or that she doesn't expect to get promoted through the workforce or, or any of those sorts of things. So it's a really good point, Tom. Carrie, what do you make of those dynamics? Um, you know, you've been working in the media for years and I guess there's these uh, dynamics and interplays that men often, you know, they think they're just being assertive, but that can be really difficult for the people around them who maybe don't feel as comfortable. Oh, absolutely. And everybody's experience is, is different, but you'd be hard pressed to find a woman that hasn't experienced it in some way. But for me, I'm very aware of what that's going to look like for my children. So I'm now far more aware. My son's a few years off finishing high school. What sort of man will he be in the world? And my daughters, what kind of workplaces will they be in by the time they get to their working life? And this is such a hopeless, horrible subject to talk about sometimes. It's absolutely absolutely tragic. But there's something about this campaign that gives me real hope. It gives me hope that we can change those dynamic in workplaces. And and if it is as simple as me being aware when my daughter gets in the car after school and she's talking about something that happened in the playground, me just asking extra questions about how it made her feel, how she could have done something differently, how she thinks someone else should have acted differently in that scenario. Or if we're watching a movie together and I'm seeing interaction between men and women that I know with my adult brain is not appropriate, at all wouldn't happen in this day and age. Actually, out loud, asking my daughter or my 15-year-old son, what's he noticing that's happening in that movie and how does that make him feel? All those little conversations that I think we don't have. We often sit in silence or we just expect that if we are respectful around our kids that they'll just learn to be respectful. But there's so many other influences. And if I, as a parent, can just have those conversations more often, then perhaps we will be in a situation where women can can be in workplaces where they don't feel like you're describing, Tom, because no woman should ever have to feel unsafe in their workplace, in their home, walking to their car mm. at night, and we have a long, long way to go. Yeah, and Patty, this Stop It at the Start campaign, it involves television and radio ads that are explaining the messages that we're talking about. There are educational resources on the respect.gov.au website. What impact do you hope a campaign like this has? It's a really important campaign and Carrie is doing a beautiful job in explaining it. So, you know, it really touches on that piece around adults as influencers. You know, we're all really familiar with the role of influencers in mm. our community. And I think adults can underplay their own value there. So adults as influencers, particularly for children, and Carrie explained a lot of those opportunities to talk to children really beautifully. You know, start somewhere, have an honest conversation Talk often, make it a part of your everyday conversation. As Carrie said, capture the moment. Could be in the car, could be walking the dog, those sorts of things. The other important part of a campaign like this is when you accept as an adult that you are an influencer with children, but also with your friends and colleagues, mm. uh, that you also have to stop and reflect on your own attitudes and acknowledge we've all grown up in this soup that tells us that men are dominant and in charge and control. And bit by bit, we're having to unpick that. So instead of being hard on yourself and going, mm. well, I'm a man and I just thought that's the way it was, go, okay, well, we're all learning together. What do I need to know or review about my own way of seeing the world and challenge that as well? Yeah, well, hopefully this conversation sparks more conversations because that's part of how cultural change happens. Great mm. speaking to you, Patty and Carrie. Thank you so much. My pleasure. That was Paddy Kinnersley from Our Watch and the one and only Carrie Bickmore. And for more information about Stop It at the Start, go to respect.gov.au and I'll catch you on the next episode of The Briefing.
Listener.